welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point. Because politics needed a rebrand. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Girl on the Go, the podcast. And congratulations to the state of Michigan for mm-hmm. passing a ban on child marriage. Fucking Mazeltoff. Should have been done yesterday, but it probably didn't happen actually yesterday. <laughs> was it today? <laughs> it was um, today, which means that when you guys are listening to this, if right. you listen on Wednesdays, it was technically so yesterday. So it did technically happen yesterday, but I was mostly talking about like a hundred years ago, it should have happened. Mm-hmm. But here we are. And obviously, if you're like, why are we talking about child marriage? What the fuck? Go learn all about it on our previous episode because we dive all into child marriage with Frady Reese. And it is fascinating in so many ways. It's disturbing in so many ways. And it's just a really, really good episode. And we dive into like all the crazy states that literally are allowing child marriage to this day and the shocking ones, including the state that I live in. So there's just a lot of tea there and you should go listen. Couldn't have sold it better myself, but seriously, that is, I think, first of all, one of my favorite episodes ever, just because Freddie is fucking amazing, like just Honey. shit all, all over the place, but it's really eye-opening and crazy, and like Maddie said, this is the 10th state to ban it, but like there's 40 others, 40 other states that are like, maybe we shouldn't ban it, or like, do we need to get to that? Mm. So just yeah. think about that. There are, speaking of changing that action items on their websites also been in our GovHub newsletter a bunch of times maybe we'll pop it you know what we'll do in celebration of this achievement and pushing people for action items round however many on this we'll put it in hot mic this week this is gonna be yeah. yeah so make sure you're subscribed to hot mic which is our new our third we now have, we have a fourth newsletter coming third newsletter and it's all like pov takes from us like if you have like ama questions for us let us know. We'll answer them there. So that's lovely. Well, in other news, I feel like all the girlies are talking about the NFL this week and for no, no other reason than obviously Taylor Swift stepping into the arena. And it's just really, really funny. The TikTok trend too of everyone being like, I heard Taylor Swift like is really putting this football player on the map. Like that's really awesome for his career. Obsessed. And oh my God, the guys like freak out. They're like, two-time Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer, blah, blah. And they get so angry and it's so fucking hilarious because like that's just the shit that women deal with all the time when they start dating a guy like in pop culture. It's always like, wow, she like really skyrocketed to fame afterwards. But except Um, for Pete Davidson, he is the exception. He did get famous due to his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Distinct correlation right then and there. Like, thank you very much. You know me. You know I don't give a rat's ass about football. And I was in the weeds of Taylor What do you think about it? Do you think it's, like, legit? I, I don't think it's, like, full PR. I think, like, just when you're that famous on both of their accounts... I do think that there's coordination that happens between the teams. Like, hey, like, would this person want to go out with so-and-so and, like, whatnot? 
Yeah. That said, I don't even fucking care because it's so fucking fun. She's in stadiums. She's sold out where like the boys have not sold out the stadium for their games. And I just love <laughs> that like full circle moment of like, she's just visiting her, visiting her home bases. She's just making yeah. sure the grounds are being kept up. But I also, and this is like a plot twist for me as well. He's fucking hot. Like I'm not oh, football players usually. Santa, but, like, he is like probably one of the hottest guys in the NFL. Did you know anything hot. about, did you even know he existed before this? Be proud of me. Despite not watching the fucking Super Bowl this year, because please. Oh yeah, he was in the Super I, Bowl. I actually I do know him and the brother from that and like Mama Kelsey, Kelsey, yeah. whatever. Like that dynamic of pop culture. And I did go on Kelsey. Right. He literally had his own dating show. He he Wait, is what? kind of thirsty. Yeah. He had this whole show on E and he was basically like the bachelor and all these girls were like trying to be with him. But this was like so long ago. So he's always kind of like thirsted out like in celebrity culture. Like most athletes like don't really do that, especially when he was like early in his career. So it's just kind of funny how he's always like he I feel like he's probably always had a PR team and just they're trying to get him out there. And he's definitely, like, since he went to the Taylor Swift concert, it just seems like he was thirsting out, like, in public over Taylor. And I'm also just confused because she's always so private with her love life that it's like, why now? Why why are we literally, like, meeting his mom in public, like, having that moment be so public? It's just kind of crazy and not normal. So, but I think it is just, like, fun. And she's just, like, having yeah. fun and whatever. She has her movie coming out. He loves the attention. So, he has a podcast with his brother. He has a podcast actually, too. Yeah. I was so he's definitely cracking like, up at he's his trying friends. to like, boost those funny. views. Yeah, they're funny. They're so cute. Like, and like the brother's so cute. And he's so hot. Great dynamic. But I was thinking to myself, I was like, between that, like sort of like the fashion. And they have a new has, show. Or they have uh, like a docuseries. It was mostly like the brother. Oh, yeah. And it's and it's just came out. So it, like the PR thing like is making sense. But I think it's also like, I'm sure like he obviously probably has his crush on Taylor Swift. Yeah, She was sure. like, what? That's a hot specimen of a man. Let me try it out. And let's do it in public and just get the people talking. So it's just, it's hilarious. But no, I don't know like, that this one's going to last, but it's fun. And I'm glad she's like living this like fantasy that we all have. No, two things. One, the Kansas City, whatever the hells, are very <laughs> welcome for the increase in followers and the team increased since like the launch of the game and it's like wild it's like the equivalent of like how many voters she got to register last mm, week insane yeah and then and travis kelsey got like hundreds of thousands of new followers including me including my <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah so it's like two people with, with crushes on each other like experience yes. it's and, yeah it's cute um yeah, yeah well what a what a frenzy um, but well, one that we love to see. Speaking of frenzy, frenzy, oh my gosh, speaking of the NFL, oh my gosh. So if anyone's on TikTok, I think everyone's seen this and it's just so hilarious to me because an actual very great friend of mine, Alexis and Nick Bodden, he plays for the Jets, are in the news because Angelina from Jersey Shore slid into his DMs this weekend. And yeah. Alexis called him out on TikTok and just went like ultra viral. 
And it's been the funniest saga. If you guys have not seen it, go to Alexis Bodden's TikTok and go watch because she's hilarious and just like roasted Angelina and called her a weirdo for like, she's like, this is my husband. Here is his Instagram with me plastered all over it and me and our daughter plastered all over it. It's like, clearly this man is married with an entire ass family. Why are you DMing him? And it's just like blown up and it's like, crazy like tmz all these places and i'm like this guy was my first kiss like why is he on tmz and then i was listening to the toast and they had it as one of their stories and i was like this is fucking wild and i just shout out alexis for calling out the bs because i was dying it's been the best entertainment this week ever no that's literally iconic i'm gonna like (laughs) dig into this i just like some of the audacity of people, like she's so right though. It's like you you looked at this man's profile, right? You yeah. looked at his page and you saw wife and children or child. And you're like, you know what? Let me see. Let me shoot my shot. Let yeah. me it's let me call Taylor up. Like yeah. literally she like, said, see you soon, because she was going to the Jets game. It's like, why? Like what? There's probably like a hundred single guys on the team. Like, why? literally so well that's she called his ass out think, and now she's reaping the benefits because she also like got a bunch of followers and i love it and like all these people are like obsessed with her now and i'm like shout out alexis <laughs> it's you know it's those moments of like where you get to like really show your personality and people are like oh i'm buying what you're selling you yeah. know so crazy i cannot wow what an nfl intro. well i feel like yeah between and also i'm like sure there is like an element of this happening the same weekend as the Taylor Swift thing because like all the girlies on TikTok were like zoned into the NFL this weekend like no no one else has been so like I think it like helped her get the attention that she needed for to like actually have this get some attention because okay we needed double, it double add to that though I did see and I can't remember which group of influencers this was there was a big influencer not event like you know when like a brand takes a bunch of influencers to an event and said there was mm-hmm. a big New York contingent that went to the Jets game and like we're on the oh. side. Wait, I mean, well, and it was like double... the Jersey Shore cast was there. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> However, to add to this, because uh, just we have to complete the frenzy is also the Alex Earl situation. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like she... she's also why. The, and she's hard launching all over the place, them. but then also saying they're not together. I'm like, y'all are together. They're kind of. I kind of love that for her, though. I know there is like the girls are taking over the NFL and I'm so for it because I don't know. It's just like late this year has been just the power of the woman. Like when we all get together and put our attention towards something like we can't be beat like the NFL now has like the best viewership that it's ever had because all these girls are tuning in and like barbie taylor swift beyonce like this it's just shown that the woman as a collective slays and you know what that's actually a very great political lesson and one that we should take into 2024 giant election year and if everyone just was like wait all these people suck in office let's get together vote them out vote on some cool people imagine the change that could happen literally literally (laughs) And more literally. And that's how we like, bring it full circle here at Girl in the Gap. We we love just the arc <laughs> and the connection just from one side to the next. Just really yep. the abstract becomes the whole. And that doesn't really mean anything. And I'm just babbling <laughs> because <laughs> the abstract means the whole. 
There it is. <laughs> Whatever that means, it means something. And you heard it here first. That was wacky even for me. Like, that's- yeah, that was that was that's a crazy one. With all of that oh said, with all of our rambles for the week out on the mm. table, I think we should introduce our guest because we have a repeat iconic guest today. And I'm going to pass it over to Samantha to introduce. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say something else. And I kind of was going to say one more word and then I didn't. <laughs> this left me hanging. I was like, oh. like, you know, and it's like also sometimes like, like it lags or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm in a, I really felt like I was in a simulation. Oh, Maddie today. has shitty Wi-Fi again. It's like, no, I just decided to stop my sentence a little early today. She glitched. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, back to this guest situation. Our guest is Congressman Ro Khanna. So he is back on the show today talking about reforming the Supreme Court. The SCOTUS with the Wostus. Yep. Another one. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Clearly uh, Delulu today. Very delulu, but nonetheless, what we are not delulu about is that the Supreme Court is going crazy with corruption. So we're talking about how to reform it. Also, Congress too, like looking at term limits in terms of mm-hmm. Congress, the Senate, like all of the broader picture things. He walks us through, you know, his five point plan for changing this, but just generally also like what the landscape is right now, including like what it's like in the halls of Congress right now. So. So, nonetheless, without further ado, here is Congressman Ro Khanna. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlinthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of pros custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. 
Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing premixed, nothing off the shelf. And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. All right. Welcome back to Girl and the Gov, Congressman. We are so excited to have you back. I mean, rare that we have a double guest. So. Just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm honored then. I, I'll try not to mess it up so I can uh, as- aspire for three. So we'll see. Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be, you know, a knock it out of the park moment. And we have so much to cover. It is wild. But before we get into one of the main topics, which is going to be term limits in terms of SCOTUS, Congress, all the things, we have to get like a pulse check. How is it on like in dc right now (laughs) like what's going on in the halls of congress like are we you know where are we feeling between a john fetterman and a kevin mccarthy reaction right now wow you know it's a it's a it's really entertaining i mean even people who don't follow politics and are are, are amused and fetterman is great i mean i if you haven't seen his reaction to the impeachment it's worth worth watching he's one of the he brings actual humor to to politics but it's a crazy time because like, we literally don't know every day in Congress whether we're going to have votes or not, who the Speaker of the House is going to be, whether McCarthy will survive or not, <laughs> what what Matt Gates is going to say. I mean, everyone's checking, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates about whether we're going to have votes. I mean, it's just total chaos. And it would be funny if it weren't serious in the sense that come September 30th, we may shut down. And that means that People who have issues with the government who need to get social security checks and, you know, they're on hold for 20, 30 minutes. Now we'll be on hold for an hour and a half, two hours. Some people are not going to get paid. Uh, There's going to be cuts in basic services for uh, people who need food assistance. So what we do matters. Most of the time people don't notice because it just functions. But if you destroy it, it really could cause harm to people. Totally. Yeah, it's definitely chaos is the perfect word. And like you said, it would be the best reality TV show ever if it wasn't like real people's lives on the line, really. So just, again, always hoping for for that to improve. But also curious, like what the temperature read and just kind of the landscape of 
SCOTUS right now. Like SCOTUS has been in the news for years, honestly, given just the kind of conservative court that we have right now, but also lately because of corruption. And so I'm curious to like what the landscape is around SCOTUS and why we're looking towards reforms. Well, it's infuriating enough that you have a group of people on the Supreme Court who are totally out of touch with modern life. You know, you wonder if they've ever been on a uh, a college campus or been out to understand like what people actually think these days, and they're taking away fundamental rights of people to control their own bodies. They're taking away rights from immigrants. They're taking away rights from workers. And to add salt on the wounds, now we're realizing that they're basically have no ethical standards. I mean, this is common sense. It's not a gray area. If someone were to come, I hadn't even read the ethics manual and there was someone who was coming towards me and saying, hey, Ro, do you want to get a free ride on my private jet and have a vacation? And I never got that before I was in Congress. I mean, red flags, that's probably not a good idea. Probably wants something to, wants to get something in return. I mean, even if you're in a company and that happens, you can't do that. You can't just have someone because they want your business do that. And that's what we've got. These Supreme Court justices doing that. It is outrageous. There needs to be an investigation. There needs to be hearings on it. There needs to be a judicial code of ethics, which doesn't exist. And there need to be term limits for these Supreme Court justices. Totally. It is like such a good point that like if this were happening, even in just like the basic business world, it would be a red flag. So how you get these people to then be on, you know, the highest court of the land thinking like there's some different set of ethics or code or rules that they can play by is kind of crazy. It's like I know there's nothing common about common sense, but it's so past the point where it's like, OK, you know exactly what you're doing. And I am curious, like what the reaction is to towards like sort of like the statements they come out with, you know, like. I know Justice Roberts saying, oh, we'll get to ethics at some point, like something's coming. Like, what's like the reaction for members of Congress like yourself to that? Like, do you think something would actually happen internally from their end or like, is it like, okay, bullshit? I think it's these people have been in a special box for so long their whole lives. You know, I know the type. I went to Yale Law School. There were people there from my class who wanted to go and become Supreme Court justices or others. And they always... They almost think of themselves as special and not based on the same rules. And so they've been treated with kid gloves their whole lives. They get to be a judge. They get to be a justice. And unlike a member of Congress, the congressman, Democrat or Republican, every day you go and you see your Twitter feed and you know why you're terrible. I mean, you have 10 negative comments to every one comment. These folks are treated with utter respect, utter deference, no criticism, no transparency. And they're just, they think they can get away with it. And so for them, yeah, someone buying me dinner, buying me lunch, taking me to a vacation. What's the big deal? I'm not, in their own mind, they're saying, I'm not really uh, doing anything for this person. But they, they, they're they so deluded. They're so in their own bubble that they can't see how offensive this is to everyone else. And so I, I think it's, it's almost our form of an aristocracy. Of, of folks who, you know, have the, sometimes like the British royal family does things that you're like, how out of touch are they? And that's, I yeah. think, what the, you have with the Supreme Court. Yeah. And it makes me think of we had we had an episode all about SCOTUS reforms before we did a really big deep dive. And one of my suggestions, speaking of them being in a box, was oh, to, <laughs> to take the robes 
to take the robes and the their outfits away just because it just makes them kind of like holier than thou, you know? So if you want to insert that That's, into they're not a bad, Bill. You know, they're not, <laughs> I don't want to get too philosophical, Maddie, but, you know, Foucault was this great writer and he basically wrote about how power operates. And he said power is basically structure. And so when you go into a courtroom, it, who is on a higher dais? What are the clothes mm-hmm. they're wearing? Where exactly. is someone sitting? All of that is an evidence of power. And so you're right. I mean, I do think that that is a, 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 a signifier of power and distance. And it's not a terrible idea, actually, to, to not have people wear, to, to, to appear that, that somehow they're above, above the law. Yeah, you can put my name as a as a co-author on that. Maddie Bill, yeah, Maddie Bill. Get rid of get rid of black robes. (laughs) Well, speaking of the Supreme Court term limits and regular appointments act, can you kind of explain what this would do and how this plays into reforming this this court that we have? Well, no one was is supposed to have these jobs for thirty, forty, fifty years. It's absurd. I mean, the issues thirty, forty years ago are not the issues today. And I understand the Supreme Court. The judges have to be judges for life under the Constitution. They don't have to be Supreme Court justices for life. They can be on the Supreme Court, then they can be on a circuit court or district court or a senior status. And that still is true with the Constitution. Every president should get two appointments and you have an 18-year term. And it would make it far less contentious. So we wouldn't think every battle for the Supreme Court was this existential battle about for the country. And the founders never intended for people to be appointed in their early 40s and sit there for 40 years. First of all, life expectancy wasn't till 80. And people were doing these jobs at the end of their career. So you'd go at when you were in around 55, 60, and you'd serve five, six, seven years. And mm-hmm. we've made it total mockery of the process by trying to game it and have life expectancy what it is. Totally. It feels like a classic like chestnut checkers warfare at all times. I am curious, though, in terms of the term limit specifically, like 18 years, why is that the magic number? Like, why isn't it 10? Why isn't it five? Like, why 18? Yeah, no, I mean, you could come up with other numbers as well. It worked because if they're nine Supreme Court justices and you want two for every uh, term for a president, then that would would be 18 years. And then you could uh, make it easier to to rotate, to have two per term. But I'm not wedded to the exact numbers. I'm sure there are other schemes that you could get to, to to work. This was just sort of simple as giving each president two appointments every term. You could lower it, I guess, if you gave every president three t- appointments. Uh, but that that I, I'm open to a discussion on what the exact number should be. I just think there should be a, a, a term limit. Totally. And I know this is like a part of a larger approach to reforming the court. I know you have a five-point plan. Speaking of numbers, what is that plan? How would this, you know, provide some resolve for what we're dealing with, which is Clarence Thomas on private jets all the time? So you guys have a way of just summing things up pretty pretty easily. <laughs> the You know, I, I put this five-point plan out uh, and you, you know how sometimes you put something out on social media and no one notices. And then sometimes you put something out and everyone's talking about it. This was one of those times I didn't think it was that big a deal because some of these ideas have been out there in the past, but I put it out and it's just gone viral. And the reason is that that people are so upset, exhausted, frustrated with Washington. And so it says about five simple things. Let's ban all PAC money and lobbyist money from members of Congress. I don't take PAC or lobbyist money. We should ban it uh, from Congress. 
let's make sure members of Congress they can't trade stock and let's make sure they can't ever become lobbyists. I mean, the stock trading ban is obvious, but lobbyists should be obvious too. I mean, I'm on the Armed Services Committee. I shouldn't, after I've done Congress, be allowed to go work for Lockheed, Mar- Lockheed Martin or Raytheon and lobby my former colleagues on their behalf. Let's have term limits for Supreme Court justices, term limits for so- members of Congress and senators, and let's have some judicial code of ethics so Clarence Thomas can't fly on private jets without letting us know about conflicts. It, and, you know, it's the most common sense of an agenda. And you had people actually, even Trump supporters say, I don't agree with Rowan almost anything, but I agree with this. And I'm, I, I hope we could get some of this reform. Yeah. Also curious, the Clarence Thomas of it all and his wife, who's like also in the mix of this. And can you kind of paint that picture of how, you know, spouses and fam- their families are even, you know, a part of kind of this corruption scheme and like how we can also work to reform that because that's just absurd as well. It is, and it's sad because most spouses, uh, like my own, uh, are are very supportive, and it's a hard life actually as a spouse. Your your uh, spouse is going all over the place, a lot of obligations, and most spouses are are very ethical. But then you have a couple people, uh, like Clarence Thomas's wife, who engaged while he's on the court, engaged in trying to get the election overturned, when she knew that her husband was sitting on the court that was going to rule on it, and they create a bad perception for all public servants. And this is why that has to be investigated. And there have to be restrictions on, if you're not going to restrict, look, Clarence Thomas's wife is a free citizen, but she doesn't have to be restricted. She can do what she wants, but then restrict Clarence Thomas from being on the court. He should recuse himself. He can't be part of a court deciding on something that his wife is actively involved in. And and this, there's no, but there's no ethics. There's no rules for these Supreme Court justices. Totally. And I'm curious as to like why that is, like how do they just, I know you said they like get put in this box, like they've got the kid glove situation going on for quite some time, but like, how does it happen that we have like literally like one of the three branches of government just rocking and rolling by itself? Like <laughs> crazy. Well, they think they're the final arbiters of the Constitution so that they get to decide what the Constitution says and that the rules don't apply. And that's actually not the case. You know, the people who get to decide the Constitution are the American people. It's not the uh, Supreme Court, but no one has challenged them. And that is, I think, where we've got to be a little stronger and great respect for the president. And I obviously all in for his reelection, but I think he's got to be bolder on this court. Say it's got a legitimacy crisis. Do what Lincoln did with the Dred Scott court, where he basically campaigned against them, or what we did with the Plessy versus Ferguson court. I mean, you've got a court that's taking away fundamental rights of equality from women. You've got a court that is taking away rights from workers, taking away rights from dreamers, and is sitting there flying on private jets, have no ethical standards. We can't be just polite and say, uh, oh, this is how democracy works and we believe in American institutions. No, this court is lost legitimacy. And we should say that. And I think once we put more pressure on the court and speak the truth, then there'll be a demand for reform. But right now they've been used to deference for the last 50 years. One more quick sort of point on this. So the reason they've gotten deference is because the court was actually really good in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, we had Roe versus Wade and we had civil rights cases and we were making progress. So liberals, progressives like us said, great court, Thurgood Marshall and Warren, and we've spent 30 years building up the court, and it's now hard yeah. to unwind that. That's true. 
That's true. Well, also curious, we're talking about reforms, but like impeachment is also, you know, a factor here as far as, you know, corrupt Supreme Court justices. Can you kind of explain what that process would even look like and if it's even a pathway that's that's feasible? Well, I would have to uh, start in the Judiciary Committee and hearings and we should start with hearings. I mean, they, they, you know, I. I, I know McCarthy doesn't have the votes and just says, let's impeach people. But usually you don't just say, let's impeach them. You say, let's have hearings. Let's let's look at the evidence and then let's look where the evidence is. And then we can make a decision about what the consequences should be. So I but I don't understand why we don't have hearings on these things. And you could have hearings. Now, if the justices don't show up then have the hearings without the justices. But we are a co-equal branch, the Senate and the House as the Supreme Court and should have hearings on it. Mm-hmm. Totally. No, that just takes me down so many different rabbit holes. But thinking about like also things that don't move or should move in Congress and the Senate and term limits and ethics there as well. And I'm super curious what your thoughts are on congressional term limits and also Senate, because I feel like a lot of people talk about congressional term limits and like we need them. But then everyone sort of like leaves the Senate alone. Like it just kind of like, it's like, oh, like it's fine. And I also feel like one more comment to this is the fact that it's a six-year term. That seems like a really long time. Like, is there ever discussion of changing that? It is. A six-year term is is a long time. I mean, it probably four years makes more sense that there's some accountability, but that's very hard to change. But I, I've yeah. said two terms in the Senate, 12 years in the House. If you really wanted to push it, maybe someone could say three terms in the Senate. But it certainly shouldn't be like 50 years. I mean, these the, the, what drives people crazy is... Folks have been in this town for 40, 50 years at a time where the working class has gotten hollowed out. Middle class has gotten hollowed out. People have student debt. People can't afford to buy a house. People can't afford even the rent in many cases. The climate is is burning. Climate change is rampant. These young folks are saying, give us a chance. Let us in. And they see a group of folks who have been there for 40, 50 years who have name ID. Uh, the reality is that the turnover rate in the United States Congress, according to the uh, economists, is lower than European monarchies and European uh, aristocratic families. It, because it's really hard. It's really hard to beat an incumbent like me. You have, I have name ID in my district. I've got a huge war chest of money. And that's the reality. And so people say, well, it's a voter's choice. Well, no, it's not. I mean, call it, to be honest, it's very hard. They, they, one of the things I often say is America, American politicians love to rail against monopolies, but the biggest monopoly is American politics. That's where you have all the monopoly. And there's got to be something that breaks it up. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I mean, I'm curious too the feasibility of a pathway on that as well, just especially given that that's the type of reform that's going to affect the people who are like voting on it. So I'm curious. And I know it's like an issue on both parties. I mean, and we also have like mixed a mixed bag on both parties. We have Bit Romney who's stepping down this week and saying, you know, I don't need to be here anymore. I'm going to pass the torch. And then we also have Nancy Pelosi who's going for another term at 82. I forget how old she is, but you know, it's both parties that are involved in this. So I'm curious if there is even a pathway to do those types of reforms, given that it's these people's careers that it affects. You know what I mean? It's a it's a good question, and it's a hard case to make. With if let's say you've been in Congress, uh, you take some of the younger members like AOC or or, or Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and they wait ten years because they want to finally have some sense, and they get there because it takes that long to have a committee chair the way that sure. schools work. 
And then you say, okay, now you're done. Well, they came into a system that rewarded seniority. And so that's the challenge. And that's why one of the proposals yeah. is grandfather it in, exempt the current folks uh, from the system, but going forward, grandfather it in and don't have Congress operate on the seniority system that it it, it currently does, where if you you don't get to chair committees until you're uh, 10 years, 12 years in, and people say, well, what difference does it make if you chair a committee? Well, when you chair a committee, you get to decide the agenda. So last Congress, I, at a very early time in my career, got to chair the environment subcommittee. And I got to subpoena the big oil executives and bring them into Congress. And we got millions of documents about how they lied to the American people about climate change. That was a big deal. Now I can, I, I don't have any say in who the witnesses are in the minority. And so being a chair of a committee matters. And, you know, we just need, so maybe grandfather in and have reform on seniority. Totally. Well, I guess that's the question too, is like, how do you fix that actual like system of like how someone becomes a chair? Like what would like the, like the renewed process be or like more, which is the word I'm looking for? Like not democratic process, but like the equalizer that allows people to actually become chairs earlier in their careers. Well, we've got to stop giving as much uh, a sense of seniority. Think of it like a a school, a, a college, cl- a college uh, class, right? And so you, uh, everyone votes, you're in your freshman class, you get in and then everyone votes, everyone, every, uh, every year. But by the time you're a senior, you know, the sophomores, juniors and seniors, and they're all going to probably vote for you where the freshmen uh, don't know as many people. And so seniority, because you know, a lot of the members, they end up voting for you. And if you just keep hanging on, you end up knowing a lot more people and you win these elections. And so there's got to be some reform that says for newer members, because by definition, they're not going to know as many people in the caucus. And so they're not going to get the majority that we've got to have some fairness in how they get some of these chairs. And we've got to not just defer to seniority as much in, in how we vote on these things. But that's a you know, there, you can have term limits on the chairs. There, there are certain reforms that you could do to try to get that done. Totally. Yeah. That would be so interesting to sort of just like see what the results of that would look like, like what issues would actually like have progress with them, what actually might like take a step back. I just feel like there's so much that could change. It's like those little things. It's always the little things that have a big impact. So super curious about that. I do want to put it right back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one, sorry to interrupt, but one point about it is good. I don't think people would be as upset about Nancy Pelosi running at 83 if they saw like Maxwell Frost was chairing a committee, right? But it's just like they don't see the Maxwell Frost chairing a committee. They just see everyone in their 70s and 80s running things. And they said, well, that's not fair. It's not ageist. It's like, why can't we have some of the younger folks also at with a seat at the table? Totally. I also think it's like, I always have this argument and I had it like immediately with myself when I saw that Pelosi was running for re-election. It was like, okay, like really she should be passing the torch. Like Scott Wiener is like the perfect person to like step up into that role and run. Like the, you know, that moment is already there. But at the same time, I'm like, she is effective. She has all these relationships. She's gotten all this shit done. Like there is something to still having that person really there, especially she's fully on point as far as I can tell. So it's like to push someone out the door that can be effective that's that's hard. That's a hard argument. But also, again, it's like not giving that next generation that opportunity. And so I almost wonder 
is like in a larger scheme of like with the term limits, it would stop people from, how do I even phrase this? Like getting stuck in this, I'm only going to be successful the longer I'm here mentality. Like why can't there be success earlier on? Like I, exactly. I don't know if I'm voicing this right, but. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, look, Pelosi is a tough example because she's literally a legislative genius. I mean, she's one of the most triumphant political figures of our time. So it's always hard when you have someone who's that effective, that good. And then people say, well, you know, could she be effective for two more years? Yes. But the issue isn't any particular individual. It's the entirety of the system. And the challenge is, if you're young, if you're 25 or 30, how are you going to raise a million and a half dollars, most people, to run for Congress? And how are you going to build name ID? And how are you actually going to get a shot? And the the, the barriers are so high to, to to doing that that the term limits just open up the system so that we can get more young people, so that we can get also more women, more people of color, so that it's more representative of the United States. And I think that the benefits of that outweigh the loss of having someone serve a few less years. And also, it wouldn't have taken Nancy Pelosi 20 years just to, to, to rise to leadership under a system she probably would have gotten there in a few years, because people would have seen her talent. It wasn't a seniority base. That's so true. So true. Well, for what people can do to help kind of like push these reforms, I think I've asked this. I've already asked this twice. And what's the third time? Feasibility for these the pathways for these <laughs> things to actually happen um, and how people can get involved. If that's calling reps or kind of what the next steps are for pushing some of this legislation through. I know we started this whole conversation with the chaos in Congress right now. So again, just curious where we're at and how we can help push it past well, the Maddie, line. I, I think specifically on this, I mean, it, the, the, because the plan has gotten quite a lot of attention on social media, I mean, just helping share it, asking members of Congress to comment on it, saying, are you for term limits mm-hmm. for Supreme Court justices, Supreme Court justice ethics, banning PAC and lobbyist money, telling members of Congress not to trade stock or not to become lobbyists. I think that can matter. But more broadly, what you're doing and what young people across this country are doing is going to change this nation. I mean, just this weekend, we're going to have thousands of people in New York marching to say, let's have a climate emergency. And and the energy, the passion, uh, the mobilization of people, particularly under 40, is awe-inspiring. And they get it on economic justice, on reproductive justice, on on social justice, on racial justice. And so I can't wait till that generation gets there. And what I want to make sure is that they don't quit, that they realize that they're so close to the finish line and, it, and, and don't get discouraged by all the mess that is currently Washington. It should give uh, folks more results to say, yeah, we're going to clean this up. We're going to get there uh, and we're going to take charge. And that's, I think, what's going to change this country. It's not supporting Kyler's reform plan or something that will help. It's really uh, saying, yeah, we're, it's our turn. It's uh, after this messy election cycle, we get Biden to win, beat Donald Trump. You know, let's get a whole new generation of people in there. Love that. Totally. We need it. We need it so much. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. This is great. Always a pleasure having you on, Congressman. Sammy, I love it. Maddie, thank you. Have a, have a great week. And thank you for having me back. Of course. Thank you.